So uh, I don't know. I haven't heard all the discussions until now. So forgive me if there's redundancy, but if there is, and you can all answer my questions very quickly, because uh, we'll try to make it interactive to keep everyone awake, including myself. Um, so the question that always bothers me on Tisha B'Av is that it's very hard to feel. And we're supposed to be mourning a temple that was destroyed 2,000 years ago that we never saw. And how, how is it possible to feel bad about something you don't even know what you're missing? Like if someone were to tell you that, you know, your great, 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 great grandfather was killed um, by a crusader in, in Germany a thousand years ago. Is that going to really like shake your world? Like we know we've been through stuff in the past. How are we supposed to get into the mood of Tisha B'Av? So, so every year I, I go after saying the traditional um, like uh, poems that we say in synagogue um, that are written in like ancient uh, poetic Hebrew, which even if you are fluent in Hebrew, you won't understand. Um, and then I go always to a rabbi who tells stories and uh, he tries to give a little bit of flavor to the different things that we're saying and he brings it into current events and talks about uh, you know f Miami and uh, and Meron and uh, the war in Gaza and all the uh, co uh, coronavirus and all the different tragedies that we've been through lately but I always feel you know it gets me uh, you know I get emotional when I'm listening to him but I always feel like it's missing a point because I don't know if today's a day to just wallow in like oh it sucks to be Jewish life's terrible we've been through a lot of suffering over the past 2,000 years I think there's more to it uh, but I'm always trying to put my finger on it. What are we really trying to accomplish today? You know, and if the whole day is about that we we want the the base of Migdash to be, be rebuilt, rebuilt, we want the temple to be rebuilt, we want to go back to Jerusalem, so why don't we spend the day praying? Why do we spend the day crying and mourning? Isn't it better that we should focus on the positive of what we're looking forward to as opposed to trying to get sad about missing something and we don't even know what we're missing? So... Perhaps you guys have already touched on it today. Does anyone know why the temple was destroyed according to the Talmud? The Talmud always tries to understand the spiritual reason, the spiritual ailment that is the real root of the cause for why bad things happen to us, right? In life, nothing, in life, nothing is random. So um, when something bad happens to us, the Jewish approach is always to ask yourself, why? What, what might this be teaching me? Where do I have to perfect myself? So... Uh, what does the Talmud say, Julia? Ah, so uh, let's start with the first temple. Great. So the first temple was destroyed, according to the Talmud, because of three cardinal sins. Does anyone know what the three cardinal sins are? So three cardinal sins are adultery, idolatry, idol worship, and murder. So those are pre three pretty big deals. Those are the three worst things according to the Torah in, in certain ways. And uh, because of those, the temple was destroyed. And the Talmud throws in a fourth reason, which seems a little out of place. The fourth reason the Talmud says is because when the Jews would learn Torah, they didn't make a blessing beforehand on the learning of Torah. And that sounds like, okay, I mean, you know, I get it. The temple's destroyed because we murdered each other. We were, 
committing immorality and uh, we were worshiping idols, fine. We get kicked out. But because we didn't make a blessing on learning Torah, what does that, what does that have to do with anything? And the second temple, as Julia so rightfully pointed out, the Talmud says was destroyed because of what the Talmud calls baseless hatred. Just hating people for no reason, disliking each other, speaking badly about each other, Lashon Hara. So what do these things have to do with us, really? Are we guilty of these things? Anyone here worship any idols lately or murder anyone? Don't raise your hand, even if you did. Turn yourself in, though. Um, so the Talmud actually says, yes, we are all guilty of these things. What does that mean? It says the Talmud, you know what? Anyone murder anyone lately? The answer is, unfortunately, many of us have murdered. Because the Talmud says that an equivalence of murder is embarrassing people in public. Or speaking badly about other people is as if you murdered them. So Talmud says, we're all guilty of murder. What about uh, adultery, inappropriate physical relationships? So although some people might have some actual things to work on in that area, the Talmud says thinking about it is just as bad, if not worse, than doing it. So just for those thoughts, those thoughts of things we'd like to do is also considered having committed those crimes. And finally, idolatry. Any, anyone worship any idols? Elephant gods or anything like that? So the Talmud again here says that anger, anyone who gets angry is as if they worshiped idols. Because when you're angry, you're, you're acting as if you're in charge of the world, as if there's not a master plan. You know best. Talmud also says anyone who's arrogant, which might be the root of getting angry, is also as if they worshiped idols. So clearly these things do apply to us, but what's at the root? What's at the root of all these things? These, these hating each other, murder, adultery, idolatry, what's at the root? What's at the core? So if I were to ask you, what, does, what do human beings want most out of life? What would you say? What would you say we're made for, we're hardwired for? What's, what are we looking for? So I, I would argue from a psychological perspective that we're really looking for three primary things. And I believe that everyone at the root is hardwired for relationships, connection. To connect. Rebecca, is that right? To be understood, to connect to each other. To feel intimately bonded, loved, accepted, connected. Right? That's, one, that's number one. We all have a desire for a deep emotional connection. Number two is that we all have a need for meaning to feel that our lives are meaningful, to feel that we're connecting to something greater than ourselves, something beyond, something spiritual, something transcendent, to be a good person, to, to worship something, to strive for something greater, to be part of something bigger than ourselves. And number three, I think, is that we are all striving to feel like we ourselves matter, that we 
are accomplishing something in our life, that we're in control of ourselves, that we have positive self-regard, self-esteem, self-mastery, self-control. And the, uh, the commentaries point out that these three crimes really correspond to three primary relationships in life, that everything at the end of the day is about relationship. And the three primary relationships are between a person and God, that's the desire for spirituality, transcendence, meaning, and purpose. There's the relationship between a person and each other. That's the desire for connection, relationships. And there's the relationship between a person and themselves. That's the desire for self-acceptance, self-love, self-compassion. Self so these three relationships correspond to the three cardinal sins that were done at the time that the temple was destroyed. The Maharal of Prague, famous Kabbalist from Prague from many hundred years ago, says that these three relationships fall out into these three sins. How? So the easiest one is idolatry. Idolatry is a, an inappropriate connection to spirituality. It's misplaced spirituality. Instead of relationship with God that requires commitment and morality, boundaries, respect. It's relationship with an idol which I created, which doesn't obligate me to do anything. It's self-worship. That's, that's a misplaced relationship with God. The murder is a misplaced relationship with others. It's looking at others as objects that you can discard when they don't suit you. When a person is different than me or doesn't understand me, the easiest thing for me to do is cut them out as opposed to trying to relate to them, trying to connect them, trying to understand them. And perhaps a little counterintuitively, adultery, inappropriate relationships, the Maharal says, is an improper relationship to yourself. Because if you truly were in control of yourself, you would be in control of your base sexual desires and be channeling them towards higher relationships that, that connect you to others in a deep and meaningful way with commitment and connect you to God as opposed to just letting your body do what it wants to do like an animal. So that's what the morale says. But the question is what do all these things have to do with baseless hatred and not making a blessing on the Torah? So I believe the answer is as follows, that the idea of making a blessing before learning Torah is recognizing that the Torah is a spiritual pursuit, that the goal of learning Torah is to connect us to God, to ourselves, and to others. That if you learn Torah as an intellectual pursuit or as a checklist that I'm fulfilling mitzvahs, I'm fulfilling my obligations, so you're missing the point. The litmus test of if your Torah learning and if your Judaism is correct is it's bringing you closer to others, closer to yourself, and closer to God. And you have to always ask yourself, am I learning to respect myself and others more? Not just is this making me spiritual in God's eyes, but what about in the eyes of others and in the eyes of myself? So that's the idea of making a blessing before learning Torah, and that ultimately is related to what we said about baseless hatred, which is why the second temple was destroyed, according to the Talmud. 
because baseless hatred where do you think it comes from when you you ever notice like there's certain people you walk into them you're like I don't like that guy his shirt is too pink or his nose is too big or like that person belongs to some group that I don't agree with so I'm gonna discard that person where does that come from baseless hatred just disliking someone you know I was a uh, um, involved in an incident recently which was very painful where there was a miscommunication with somebody and they basically attacked me accused me of having done said terrible things about them which I don't believe happened um, and it just like caused such such uh, a breakdown in communication it was so painful and I saw on on both sides of the experience how damaging it is if you say something even if you didn't mean it that way but it's misinterpreted as negative about another person and the goal is to learn to be bigger than that and to create peace and wholeness and harmony in the place of friction so how do we do that what what prevents us from really loving and accepting each other anyone have any ideas or everyone's asleep by now so Julia I'm sure has a good answer because she's showing her screen yeah okay so jealousy Right. Yeah, so what's the root of that? What's the root of jealousy? And and Re Rebecca, do you want to expound on your point? Not you, Rebecca, the other one. Our own understanding of ourselves. Rebecca, you're into understanding tonight. Um, So Rebecca's saying very good that perhaps we hate each other because we it, we recognize something that we hate about ourselves, and that's actually precisely what uh, what the Talmud says that when a person sees something negative in another person, it's really in themselves, right? So um, I would say the root of all of this is not recognizing our own greatness, because when we're insecure about ourselves, then we seek to knock down others. And then we feel threatened by others. Then we want what others have. But we, we recognize that brown eyes are just as good as blue eyes. Because that's what we have. Whatever we have is good. And it's what we're supposed to have. When we recognize that it's okay for people to be different. Because we all have exactly what we need. When we focus on what's good and positive about ourselves. So then we're able to truly love others. So... How do we do that? How do we learn to truly love and accept ourselves? So let's talk about the temple for a second. When we talk about the temple in Jerusalem, and I'm gonna have to talk pretty quickly now because my baby is uncontrollably crying upstairs, not feeling well. 
and I'm the only adult that has any energy left. So uh, the temple is called the house of God. Now, why do you need a house for God, right? God is everywhere. As the Kotzka Rebbe said famously, where is God? So someone once asked a, uh, a child who went on to become a famous rabbi, he said, I'll give you a quarter if you tell me where God is. And the kid said back, I'll give you a quarter if you tell me where God isn't. So the Kutzka Rebbe responded, where is God? He said, wherever you let him in. God is everywhere, but we need to relate to him. We need to connect to him. The idea of a te the temple is it's all about perspective. It's all about recognizing the closeness. Ultimately, the goal of creation of the world, the goal of the entire Torah is that we should build a home for God. As the commentaries point out, based on the verse in the Torah, build for me a sanctuary and I will dwell in them. What's the them? The them is the hearts of every single Jew. The goal is to build a relationship with God in our heart, that God should dwell in us. That's the goal of the temple, is to reveal to us the divinity that we have within ourselves. And when a person recognizes that God dwells within you, then you can truly love others. You can overcome your desires towards anger, immorality, hatred, arrogance, jealousy, because you have within you a holy presence. God dwells within you. So the temple was destroyed because we lacked a genuine connection to Hashem, genuine connection to God, which leads to connection to others and connection to ourselves. And that's why we're mourning. But how can I mourn a relationship I never had? Because I never saw the temple. I'm not so aware about this relationship with God that was lost, that was more present in the world when there was a temple. So there's a beautiful story in 1967, the during the Six-Day War, Israel was invaded on three fronts from Syria, Egypt, and Jordan. And in a matter of six days, the Israel uh, defeated all of its enemies and doubled, if not tripled, tripled their borders. And one of the most emotional and incredible moments was when uh, Jerusalem was reunited again because Jerusalem had been under Jordanian territory and according to the armistice they were supposed to allow Jews to continue to come into the old city and to pray at the western wall at the Kotel but they did not allow Jews to go in for about um, about 20 years and the moment that the Israeli soldiers arrived on the Temple Mount on the site of the temple, uh, it was a religious unit, and the soldiers broke down crying, and they announced famously over over the radio, Harabayat Bayadenu, the Temple Mount is in our hands. Harabayat Bayadenu, Temple Mount is in our hands. And it was incredibly emotional, and the soldiers were crying. And they were crying for two reasons. Some were crying because it is unbelievable. We're in, we're, we have Jerusalem under Jewish authority, for the first time in 2,000 years. 
and others were crying because here we are at the temple and there's a mosque on the temple. The temple is not what it's supposed to be. The temple is in ruins. When we're at the Western Wall, we're on the outside looking in. We're not in the temple, we're outside the temple. And they were crying for these two reasons of such incredible joy and such incredible pain at the same time. And there was one soldier in the unit who was not religious. In fact, he was an atheist. And the soldiers looked over and he was also crying. And the religious soldiers turned to him. They said, why are you crying? This doesn't mean anything to you. This is no different than Tel Aviv or Los Angeles. Why, why are you crying? You don't believe in holy places. You don't believe in God. And the soldier turned to them, the secular soldier, atheist soldier, and he said, I'm crying because I don't know why you're crying. And that's why I'm crying. Because I see that there's something incredible here and I don't even know what it is. And that, I believe, is the reason why we're mourning today. Precisely because we don't know what we're mourning for. Because we don't know what we're missing. Because we don't feel anything. Because we don't feel like we've lost a relationship with God. That's why we cry. As the Torah says that God will hide, hide his face. In Hebrew, Anochi haster aster panai. I will hide, hide my face. And the Baal Shem Tov explains that one hiding is when we don't see God's presence. But a double concealment is when we don't even know that we don't see God's presence. We don't even know that we're missing anything because this world that we live in, we think is the regular world the way the world's supposed to be. And we think that when you go to Israel or you do something Jewish, that's like an, that's extra credit, spirituality. It's nice, but the real world is bills, college loans, work, tests, relationships, sports, music, politics, Judaism, that's extra. The reality is when we had a temple, spirituality, Judaism, that was the real world. Your bills and your loans and your job, that was extra. That was on the side. And that's precisely what we're crying about, is that we don't even know what it's like to have a real relationship with Hashem. We don't know what it's like to realize that we have a temple inside our hearts, that God dwells within each and every one of us. And that's the morning on Tisha B'Av, to take a moment to think about how could I be a little more connected? How could I make my relationship with Hashem a little bit realer? And to recognize how incredible it would be if that relationship was tantamount and tangible in our life. And that's why this month is called the month of Av. Because although this is the worst month in, in the worst day in the Jewish calendar throughout history, the month is called Av, which means Father. Because our Father is there. Our Father is real. We don't always recognize Him. Sometimes it seems like He's reaching out with, with sadness and with tragedy. Sometimes it's through joy and love. But the point is at the end of the day, He's reminding us that He's there and to turn to Him. And Av also has another meaning other meaning of the word Av in Hebrew means to desire because ultimately at the root of all our sadness is a desire a deep desire for connection connection to each other connection to ourselves connection to God if we can turn that desire and that longing 
for a better world, for a world of equality, connection, happiness, love, peace. If we can turn that into a prayer from the heart, then we can take this day of sadness and turn it into a day of hope and a day of connection, which is the ultimate goal. When we had a temple, we used to get together three times a year. All Jews would go to Jerusalem three times a, a year for a massive family reunion. What do we do at a family union? Just like anyone does at a family union. We had a, a barbecue. And that was Passover, Shavuos, and Sukkot. A family reunion in, temp in our Father's house. So we hope and pray on this day that we can recognize the incredible connection, potential for connection that we have within through the power of recognizing the divinity and the spirituality, the beauty and the love of the soul that we have within us, the fact that God dwells within us, and to use that as an impetus to connect to each other, to connect to God. And ultimately, we should be blessed that together, as a family, we come back to our homeland and have the most incredible family reunion in human history. So thank you guys for listening. I hope that this was a meaningful day and that we can all take something into our lives to try to connect a little bit deeper to ourselves, to God, and to others. Thank you so much.